0: Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Rugby Review. With the off-season, we promised we'd have a guest each week and we have not disappointed this week. We are pleased to have Barry McDermott joining us on the podcast. Barry,
1: how are you? I'm good, thanks. Um, as we record this, it's it's the day of Kevin Sinfield's mammoth uh, 101 mile uh, I nearly said marathon then, he's he's done the marathon thing, but uh, yeah, as we, as we sit here, it's Touching a, a million and a half pounds that he's raised. So, uh, so yeah, he doesn't do things by halves, does it?
0: No, absolutely not at all. Uh, we're going to get onto that actually later on the podcast. Uh, so, we'll, we'll get your thoughts on that. And obviously, we know, we know you uh, participate in that today. Uh, but just yeah. to start off, Barry, we, we like to ask our guests uh, an important question of how they actually got into the sport of rugby league. So, what's your story?
1: Um, a bit by accident, a bit by fortune, really. Went to a school. I'm born and bred in Oldham. And uh, the family's probably part football, mainly football, um, bit of cricket. We have one or two uh, rugby league people in our family, but nobody around about my my age, some 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 older uncles. And um rugby league was just I think just part of where I grew up. Um I had a teacher in my first in my primary school. It gave me the opportunity, and then when I went to my senior school, high school in the modern-day language, there was a guy called Fred Lawton, who was just a great fella, really enthusiastic and passionate about, about rugby league, and he just, just gave me a chance, gave me an opportunity, and I found I really liked it, i really suited to it. I had, a, I had uh, the right temperament, and at that time, being being a smaller player, but but really game, really, you know, really somebody who'd have a, a, a good goal a right good goal um, yeah it just suited me
0: We have a lot of players come on uh, that say they had a route for, for interest in football and in rugby was there any other sports at that age you were interested in or was it just rugby?
1: I did everything I, I, I like everybody most rugby league players are, are just too fat for football so they end up going into rugby league and, and it suits them so I tried everything I played basketball softball a little bit of gymnastics, trampolining, and so, so I think as a as a young man, I was quite athletic and quite agile, and and as I said, full of energy, bundle of bundle of energy. And uh, rugby league was something that until I left high school, I didn't really pin down one specific sport. I just played whatever we were doing at the time. You'll have to listen. You'll have to excuse me if I'm a bit stuttering. I'm not thinking that I didn't sleep last night at all. I was up with Kevin, and we will, we'll get into it. But I foolishly decided I'd sleep when I got home, and, and I haven't, so I'm on a full night missing. So there you we go, I'll try my best.
0: You touched on before, you, you're an old and like yourself. Uh, we're going to go right back to the start, and your old and debut. Um, a lot of players at the moment we speak to are current players, uh, and we speak about their debuts, and they say there'll be something to look back on when they retire. Obviously, you've been out of the game for a while. Now, Do you look on that, back on that moment with, uh, with great memories?
1: Of course, yeah. A mixture of nerves, apprehension, um, excitement. I made my first team debut at, at the at the pro level. I made my first team debut at Sheffield Eagles at, at the old Don Bolle. Mm-hmm. The second game that I played in the professional um, arena was 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 at Watersheddings. Shedding's. Uh, Both of them eventful games. At Sheffield, I I almost tossed my team the the game by doing something stupid, which I was prone to throughout my career. But then when we played at Shedding's, I played with a a really skillful Kiwi forward stroke centre called Charlie McAllister, who gave me a lovely little pass. Always had good hands. He had a bit about 17, 18 stone, but had beautiful balance, a lovely soft pass. Nice kicking game. We could kick the ball off the tee and out of his hand all over the place. But I stuck with Charlie, and Charlie put me over and I scored at the side of the stick. So I almost lumped those two two games together. And and I was always quite lucky. I I never feared fail, failure. And I don't I don't really have it in me in my mindset now. I'm I'm not that bothered if I get it wrong. I just view it as I'm going to learn. I learn by my mistakes, and I'll try and do it better next time.
0: Obviously, throughout your career, you started off at Oldham, you played for Wigan, Widdison, with and, and Leeds. And am I I'm saying you're well known for your time at
1: Leeds? Yeah, I think so. The ten years that I had as a player, and and probably another 10, 11, 12 years working in the backroom staff and working at the club, and I've still got uh, a role within the ex-players committee, the Players Association, um, which which keeps me me linked and me ties there, and, and they've been great to me, the Rhinos, and. Yeah, I think you're right. I'm I'm born and bred in Oldham, but I think I'm made in Leeds, and the, and the Leeds Rhinos club is is I think the, the standard bearer for how they look after current players, uh, future players, and and of course past players. Have we have seen with with numerous examples over the last five or ten years?
0: So yeah, obviously Leeds, you made move from uh, Wigan. What was it like at that time of your year making a move from got obviously Oldham bred move making a move to Leeds?
1: Well, when I went to, so I always wanted to be a one club man. I think loyalty is something that's ingrained in me. It's really mm-hmm. important. I me. Mean, loyalty, honesty, integrity, all those, all those good things. But but when all didn't match my ambition, I realised I'd have to move. And at the current, at that time, the current best team was was the Wigan club of of the of the early nineties. They'd won sort of seven, eight challenge cups. They were widely renowned as, as the only professional team, even though Leeds, RL as they were, then the Loiners were full-time. They were still only playing at it, really. They were still on the training Tuesday, Thursday, and and, uh, and not much else. But the Wigan club, they worked hard, they trained hard, they were skillful, quick, strong, athletic, you know, something that you would look at today's team as a, as a very basic standard, that that's the minimum standard when the Wigan club of that era was doing it day in, day out, really perfecting those those fine skills and those small skills, it, it separated them above everyone else. So joining that changing room with Sean Edwards, Martin Fire, Jason Robinson, or young Andy Farrell, um, Gary Connolly was was intimidating. People like Dennis Betts and, uh, and Kelvin Skerritt were, were right at the top of the game. So it was intimidating, but I was lucky because... I had my my uh my best pal Terry O'Connor. We didn't sign at the same time. It was a coincidence that we ended up there at the same time. Did signed O'Connor in, in the um, in the early part of the season and, and didn't make the minds up mind up about me until right at the back end. Mm-hmm.
0: I'm just gonna pass over to Kim, so I know he's got a couple of questions on your international career, Barry.
2: Yeah, hiya, Barry. Um I just wanted to ask about your time playing for Ireland and obviously uh your time at the 2000 Rugby League World Cup. Uh, you played the likes of Samoa and uh, the New Zealand Maori. Um, what was it like playing at the, the World Cup back in 2000? And uh, sort of how was the tournament then compared to maybe how it is now?
1: I think the World Cup, we, we, I mean, we were all devastated. We didn't get played in the right place. But I think the people that are in charge and, and doing the best, for, for the international game from our perspective. I'm talking to John Dutton, of course, do do a remarkable job, and I've got every faith in him in 2022. But my experiences were always great. I was lucky enough to play for Great Britain. That was, if you like, the top tier of international rugby league and in those World Cup years. And in between the Great Britain games, I, I, had the, I had the choice of playing for England or Ireland. And because of my heritage, I decided to play, for Ireland in a team that had players like Terry O'Connor, Chris Joint, uh, Brian Carney is a very young up-and-coming player, Steve Prescott, Ryan Sheridan. We had a number of players. Tommy Martin, one of the most skillful players I ever played with. So we had a good team. And often what what you may, you know, sometimes if you're looking at the international scene and you're going a bit extra critical, You'd say that everybody that can choose England does choose England, and then those that don't get picked for England will will look at one of the the other home nations, and it it always saddens me a little bit. I think that Great Britain should be that top tier. You should pick your colour, you should pick your team um, by birthright or by heritage, and you know, and you should stick with them. and And it was something that that I've never regretted. I've always. Looked at my time playing for Ireland, and the World Cup was was one of about sixteen or seventeen occasions when I played for Ireland, and I've always loved it because it was just different. We had different players. Often we'd have domestic players from 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 over in Ireland that that weren't quite as experienced as as us, but had the potential to to make it onto uh, to the next level. And I think as somebody like Carney and he did exceptionally well. But somebody who's probably gets overlooked is. Um, is Wayne Kerr, who who played at the division below. Big, strong forward. Was a hooker, was a number two in Rugby Union, but came across and, and eventually learnt the skills and, and was a was a pretty good player himself.
2: Uh, you, you mentioned uh, picking Ireland because of your heritage. Um, you did, of course, play England in the quarterfinal of the 2000 Rugby League World Cup uh, at Headingley, the home of Leeds Rhinos. What was that like for you playing, of course, at the home of the club that you played for, uh, against England for, for Ireland?
1: Well, the romantic in me l- loves the thought of it, but the reality was I was absolutely busted. I'd snapped my PCL in the year. I'd broken my thumb in the, in the game before. Um, so I had pain management all over the place and I was strapped up like you wouldn't believe. When I look back at that game, At the time, I think we had 12 subs, 12 interchanges. I'm pretty sure they used 10 of them on me because I was on and off. Why, you wouldn't believe, uh, because it was a really physical game. The crowd was good. The atmosphere was good. And even though the crowd were desperate for Wigan, sorry, not Wigan, for for England to win, um, if we did anything right and it it was exciting, they got behind us and, and, and they gave us the right and appropriate cheers and and rounds of applause. So, yeah, it was a really, really good game. I look back on that game and think we were really unlucky. Kevin Campion makes a break on a young Stuart Field and chases back and, and did, did remarkably well, was amazing in that game. Just managed to get Kevin Campion down. Um, he was an origin player. We had a couple of overseas players that had played at origin level um, Luke Ricketson and Kevin Campion, who were, who were world class players. And uh, on another day on a drier pitch, maybe we might have got that try and got through to the to the semi against New Zealand, but England got through to the sem- semi they got the backsides kicked um, in that semi and uh, we we were all having a guinness sharing sharing and what and watching the watching the game and um, yeah it was uh, it was a it was a wonderful time two thousand I really enjoy it. thanks very much Ben.
0: You touched on there, Barry, about um, your time at GB. Is that something you'd, you'd like to see brought
1: back? Yeah, I don't know why we gave up on it so quickly last time. We had that tour under Wayne Bennett, where God bless him, he's a, you know, he he is the goat of of coaches both at international and domestic level, but couldn't couldn't understand the difference between England and Great Britain. He just didn't get it, did he? Because he looked at the Great Britain tournament as a warm up for the England World Cup preparation, mm-hmm. so. So the the fact that we lost we lost against Papua New Guinea Tonga um, Australia New Zealand off, off, off memory I always an Australian game like I said I'm very tired uh, but we lost all those games and the momentum was lost really. it didn't it was starting from a from a standing start and uh, it didn't get going but yeah definitely I want to see Great Britain back I want to see touring teams uh, not just World Cup events be the highlight of the international color and Calendar, and I'd like to see Ashes series both home and away, and uh, it's something that if we need to, if we want to make a mark and make a a little pinprick in the consciousness of the sporting minds of 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 this country, we we need to we need to really harness, develop, and 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 make the most of that of that Great British Lions brand that we've got, and you know we had it a long time. Before the, the the rugby union lads, but the way that they approach it with their philosophy, it's um, you know mm. it leaves us it leaves us sadly lacking.
0: Mm-hmm. I know Ethan's passed back over to Ethan. I know he's got a couple of questions on the international game for you, Barry. Yeah, cheers, Ethan. Uh, so Barry, obviously the World Cup's
2: been pushed back a year because of a uh, obviously Australian user not wanting to participate
0: next uh, last year. What do you think needs to kind of be done post?
2: the World Cup next year to kind of revitalise International Rugby League?
1: I think it needs a calendar, doesn't it? I think if we knew from this point on what the next five years look like, you could plan. Um, There's always going to be an element of I don't want to travel over to Australia if we're going to lose every game. But for me, as a Rugby League fan, going to somewhere like New Zealand, Australia, I've been lucky enough to go with the various teams I've played for, but going there as a fan enjoying the Gold Coast, enjoying Brisbane, Sydney, sticking a game of rugby league in it, 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 on top of it. If I had time to plan, time, time to save up, why wouldn't you jump on board that? So we always do well in World Cup years. We always talk about the legacy. We always talk about what we do. I can talk from an island perspective. We've never quite, when Ireland's had successful tournaments, we've never quite managed to, to make the most of it over in the Emerald Isle. And I think the same over here, John Dutton and his team, when they go to the various stadiums and and different, different places where rugby league isn't as strong as it is down that strip of land in between Liverpool and Hull, when it's, when it's, when it's just outside that, we need to make sure we get as many young people there. We get rugby balls in their hand, not just watching the game and watching the Supreme athletes that are playing the world cup, but having a chance to do it themselves. Um, Kelsey Gentil said something on one of the programmes. It was the grand final for the for the women's game. She said, you've got to see it uh, to want to be it. And, and I believe that with the young people, they can see it live. But then giving them the next opportunity to be it and, and, and have a go and, and put a shirt on, make a tackle, score a try, we've got to do more of that.
0: A question for me, really, Barry, is quite interesting because obviously you watch the game now when it's during the season, week in, week out from when you played to now what's the main differences of of how it's changed and developed over the years
1: it's a good question this i was at um the players association dinner the ex players dinner at mm-hmm. weekend and and it always it's always a fiercely contested debate because you've got you know you've got the old timers from the 60s and the 70s and the 80s and I'm probably mid 90s and and everybody's saying that that their era was 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 the era to play and it was it was fast, faster, more skillful, tougher. All, all these debates are all great ones to have over a beer with, with some of the older fellas and some of the younger ones. But I look at today's game, it's very fast. Um, I, I'm glad that the strums are coming back next year because I think that will just bring it back to a manageable pace. I don't, for the reason, uh, I can't understand really why we want to speed the game up because it's faster than any other game. and. Sometimes you need a bit of a break, you need to catch your breath. If you're a newcomer to the game, the chance to turn around to say somebody and, and 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 get an explanation of what's gone on in those six again days that we've just you don't get it, and it's just bang, 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 and it's a little bit, it's a little bit too quick for me. So scums coming back will be good. Um the main differences are I would say. There were a bit more interpretation back in my day. You all, you, didn't have, you didn't have as much structure. We all we all had a game plan. You know we all had players that we we would put on. We'd practice playing against our opposition. What would work? What would break them down? But we were we were allowed a, a little bit of freedom. I sometimes think that today's game is very prescribed, um, and it's just about delivering that skill as as good as you can do it. You're you hoping for a misreading defence rather than to to fox or to fool somebody with the ball. But it, but I, but I love watching all all, all the games. You know, I, I'm I'm lucky. I get to watch every game that's played on a Super League weekend. I watch it on my laptop. By the time it gets to Tuesday, I've watched every game. I've got all my notes. I know, you know who's in form, who's out of form, who's who's picked up an injury, who's you know all all the ins and outs of all the teams, and that's my preparation. I've, I've, uh, I've got a brain that's like a bucket with an hole in it. I have to be very, very careful because as soon as it goes in, it's working its way out. But I find that that really gives me that level of, of confidence when I come to a match day that I've got my finger right on that pulse. So I think they all have their own merits. To go back to your question, the 70s and the 80s, you know, everybody was really deep, but there were good rugby players that were instinctive and classy, silky rugby players. My era, we, you know, we were a bit bigger maybe, a bit more physical. Both both those previous to mine and, and mine had a bit of biff, which I'm glad I played in the era of biff. I do not like to be playing in this era now. I, I think I'd be watching more than I'd be playing. But I, I, I marvel at the athletes that play now. I marvel at the skill, the finishes from the wingers. You know the skills on show are just are just outstanding. I think we've got the best product and the best game. We just we just obviously we need to do a little bit better, don't we?
0: You mentioned that you watch every game uh, each week. Is there one game in particular from last season that sticks out in your head as the as the best game from last season? My I know God, for me, just one. My
1: word! I watch every single game. Um, no, no. I... I um, I thought the grand final was a good game. Yeah. Um, I thought it was a really good game. And, and very often, you know, we try to get it to build up to this big crescendo and it doesn't always deliver. Um, the, the year before, of course, with the um, Jack Welsby try was just drama personified, weren't it? So we watched that. There wasn't, there wasn't much for the first hour between the two sides. It was literally all settled in the last couple of minutes. But I thought the arm wrestle from Catalan, the, the spirit that they showed, a couple of calls went against them. You could feel the frustration just getting the better of them. But I think Catalan, with, with the addition of um, uh, Mitchell Pearce will be, be another I think it'll be another good year for them next year. And I think he's going to be better than James Maloney. I think he's probably a little bit more suited to the way that they play. It's interesting
0: you you, uh, you named the grand final those two teams in particular, because when I look at last season, I think one of the best games was Magic Weekend between those two sides. Do you, do you agree with that, the way that the thrilling finish?
1: Yeah, yeah. Again, drama. Yeah. As I'm saying, I, I, so 10 minutes to go, and we all know the sequence of, uh, of mm. events. 10 minutes to go, I remember Sam and Lange going over, scoring uh, just at the side of the post, and I turned around to O'Connor oh. and I said, well, That's a great try, but it's a bit too late. It's too, it's too little, too late. That's what I said. Mm-hmm. And then they scored again, and then they scored again. And every time they scored, he's just looking at me and nodding as if to say, You know, nothing, John Snow. Which is, yeah. So, so yeah, that was a great game. And I, I think over the weekends, um, we got six games, we, we normally get two crackers, two average to not so good. It, it it pretty much breaks up like that. And if we're lucky, we get to watch those on Sky Sports.
0: Obviously, the news broke this week sticking to Magic Weekend. We're back in Newcastle. Is that you've done is that your favourite venue?
1: It is for me, yeah. I think it it really lends itself to to our, our mentality, our habits. When out, we we're northerners, aren't we? We like a drink. Uh, we're not all Northerners, of course, but predominantly we, you know, we like a drink, we like to watch the rugby, have a bit of a wonder. That format of, of, of all the games on the same day means that if your team plays first, you can go out can have a bit of a wonder, you can come back for, for the last game of the day, which most of the time is, is, is one of the better ones. So I think Newcastle, the people of Newcastle suit us. They understand our mentality. Um and it's just a great venue. I'd I'd love to see it at some point one day full to the rafters for, for the full weekend. It's it's hard to logistically handle that, but you know, all things considered last year with everything that we've been through in 2020, I think 2021 was a was a was a really big success. So yeah, I think really understandable and um you know it gets the vote of confidence from everybody going back there this year. Mm-hmm.
0: And now at the moment, Barry, obviously you're known for being on Sky Sports only week in, week out. How how did you get into that role? Firstly,
1: uh, it's never a quick answer, is this one? Because during the playing days, I, I, I would always, I, I've always took my, my job uh, and the profession that I'm in. I've always took that really seriously. I've always tried to be as professional as I could, but but never took myself that too that that seriously and and, and enjoy a laugh. Got. I think I've got a good sense of you. Others might not agree, but I always put my hand up for stuff, whether it was, you know, something that had to be done on a sponsor's evening or something, you know, maybe perhaps Radio leads were were looking for a a summariser on a Sunday afternoon and it was a bit too far to travel and not everybody wanted to do it. So I just did a lot of different things to try and get the skill of talking, talking under pressure, Talking as you're watching and observing and describing, and not using the ums, the ums, the hands all the time. Saying, "Do you know what I mean?" and and just getting that that skill a little bit better. So um, we we did a lot. Me and me and, and then in terms of Sky, we we sort of did a little bit of everything. Did did uh, Terry O'Connor and myself, and uh, I did a lot more really early on. I did a lot of radio. Tez does what he Tez did what he always does. He just turned up for the glory bit. He turned up for the I'm okay to work on TV. And um, Neville Smith, the old boss of, of Sky Sports, met us with Eddie. Uh, we'd had an offer from BBC to go and work a couple of years for them uh, and do some C- Super League stuff on, on BBC. And uh, Neville and Eddie just said, you know, we, we'd like to give you more games, mm-hmm. more get more more exposure, more time. And, um, and I'm glad we did because I, I, I love what we do with Sky. And although, if you look at it, BBC has a has a wider reach, and obviously it's a bigger profile. It's a free to air, but I, but I love what we do with with Sky, and I think uh, the service and the quality that we offer on on a match day is is, is as good as anything, as good as it's ever been. Um, so I really I really enjoy it, and it's it's. T- uh, Twelve years now since I started doing it. Thirteen years actually coming up. So, um, so yeah, every every day is a school day, and I, I I look to improve and get better, and and all those things that I told you about that I do research and, and and making sure I've got my finger on the pulse with everything that's going on. Just hopefully makes it a bit easier on the year for everyone. Mm.
0: Well, as as frequent listeners to, to you on the on the uh, sports Barry, we we love listening to you. Uh, as us in here, we're all sports journalists, um, so we all want to get into journalism and sports journalism. Is there any advice you'd, yeah. you'd give to us, in particular, and to other people who want to get involved in that?
1: Well, my dad, as a saying, if you work for nothing, you'll always have a job, and and I think that's that's the basic principle that that I followed. I was just volunteered for everything, as I said, whether it was at a club function or whether it was doing the radio or whether it, you know some of that some of that good stuff with the BBC and Sky, and and eventually. You, you learn what works for you. You learn what doesn't work for you. But if you volunteer, you put yourself in the right place. There's a saying, isn't there? if you're in the right place at the right time, you'll get your rewards. But I think of it slightly different than that. If you're in that place consistently, at some point, it's going to be the right time. So being being in a in, in an environment where you can grow, you can develop, you can get better, you can learn things, you'll you're getting taught things without, without even knowing it off the people and the experience that they've got around you.
0: And we know when you were on the podcast, Bob, we, I think you saw it uh, the other day, we put out a tweet asking if any of our followers had any questions to put to you. Is it all right if we just fire something you now? Yeah. Okay. Um, so Emma has asked, tell me about your, how you travelled to the first rugby league match you watched and you, uh, you watched. So what game was your first rugby league? Do you, can you remember?
1: I can remember my dad taking me to... Um, Water Shedding's an an amateur final in Oldham called the Standard Cup. And I remember um, he knew one of the players that was playing for Saddleworth Rangers at the time. Uh, And me being sort of not even tall enough to see over the top of the concrete wall. So I had to sit on the wall. Mm -hmm. Um, And I remember being there with my sister and getting a bit distracted during the game. And it wasn't till much later till I picked a rugby ball up. But then the connection between what I'd watched and what I wanted to play was there.
0: Uh, Harvey's asked, "What is your favourite game you played in?"
1: My favourite game is I, I, I always say the same on it. It was 1999. It was a, a semi-final against the Bradford Bulls, and the Bradford Bulls had beaten us in the previous two semi-finals for the Challenge Cup. Um, they had they had the, the awesome force Brian McDermott, Joe Vagana Paul Anderson, and of course Stuart Fielding, a young Stuart Fielding. And it was just a, a prop forward's dream because when, when two or three or four of them were on the pitch at the same time, they were running hard, they were running strong and you just had to get get my big body in front of them and do it as many times as I could. Uh, Ryan Sheridan and, and Lee Jackson and, yes, Harris were, were different class on that day. All we had to do in the middle uh, was, was our job and, and I was really lucky at Leeds. I played with some really good forwards. My pack that day it was, Jacko was on the bench, my pack that day it was Darren Fleary, Terry Newt, myself, Adrian Morley, Andy Hay, and uh, Mark Glanville. It uh, wasn't Andy, it was Anthony Farrell and Mark Glanville at loose forward. so, some really tasty forwards and he it, it was really good in the middle, we were quick on the edges and we were good on the day and we were good enough to win and, and the best bit about that whole experience was the night out, and I, I loved um, I loved playing the games, but I loved the nights out as well to celebrate, you know, mm-hmm. celebrate a victory, getting out there and just having a real good, real good time with your mates after a game. I, I don't know whether there's as much of that anymore. I don't think, you know, the the modern day and the modern day player with everyone having phones would would be too would would allow themselves to 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 relax as much as we did so so yeah good experience all around
0: and final one uh, ian says what is the best stadium you most enjoy playing at and also what's the most enjoyable stadium now you like
1: to commentate at um best ground you mean
0: yeah best ground to play at, the yeah, best atmosphere yeah
1: yeah without a doubt um Oddsall was always packed, always jam-packed. You know, it, it, it was hostile. It was definitely hostile at, at Bradford. And, and you didn't get no favours of anybody. The, the, the crowd were on the back of the referee. The, the crowd were right behind the team if they started to get some momentum. So, the, so those summer days and, and Friday night games at Oddsall were always amazing games to play in. Um, we didn't always win. But we won. I think we won more than we lost. So I used to go to, to so knowing that if we played well, if we did what we were good at, and we did it for as long as, as we could and did it longer than the Bulls, then we'd come out on the right side and, and you knew whatever the result was, it'd be a good, it'd be a good close contest. Uh, where do I like going now? Easy, headingley Edinburgh, yes. you know, it's a, it's a wonderful stadium. Uh, it's been, been a couple of lean years for Leeds. If, if we're all honest, um, they had that challenge cup win in 2020 um but it's been like that 2016 awful 2015 2017 they won the the, the grand final itself 2018 some 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 really tough stuff to watch if you're a rhinos fan with some of those qualifying games those middle 8 games as we as we knew them better um, but going to uh, the Rhinos is always it's always special for me. It's like going home for me, and and the new stadium is is top class, and it's a it's a proper rugby ground. It's got a good atmosphere, people that go there go there to to cheer and celebrate and sing, and not and not necessarily slag off the team if they are not playing well.
0: You touched with the Rhinos, there obviously last season wasn't the season they wanted. Now they've made some big uh, signings with Austin Caesar and James Bentley coming. What do you expect for them this season?
1: I, I like what they've got. I really like the way that some of those younger players got better last year. Um our Jad, young young Jared O'Connor's you, mm-hmm. you know, he's another yeah. year better, physically more developed. Uh, I'm not too sure what what position he is, whether he can, you know, fulfill one of the back three roles or whether he has a goes on an edge or he's a middleman. But but one thing I know about Jared is he he's, he's his game and he'll have a go. So uh, Cruz Lehman was really good last year and and it, I'm sad to see Luke Gale go because it was a difficult year for him when he was good he was very good he just I just don't think he strung enough games together but when I look at Blake Austin and Aiden Caesar you look at those two players come in and you think oh it might take them a bit of time to to combine and get you know get that understanding but they've got history together they were at Canberra at the same time, so they'll they'll already be familiar with one another, and I, I think it's a top three. I think it's a top three here.
0: And obviously, last season uh, we year. saw the uh, the progression of the of the women's game. And actually, we're here. We've got Stacey who plays for Halifax Panthers Women. Um, so I'm going to pass over to Stacey. I know she's got a couple of questions for you on the women's game.
2: Hi, Barry. And obviously, the women's coverage last year was a massive, massive all-round. Everything w- was available and the, show the growth in the game. Do you feel like it can only get better with that? And what, what can yourselves do at Sky and obviously as a, a fan yourself to get the coverage of the women's game out there?
1: Yeah, thanks for that, Stacey. I think it's one of the most exciting parts of our game. Is is the, is the women's competition? Um, I've sort of watched it over its time. Um, Danica Preem is is a is a mate of mine. Um, another another bookend, another front rower. So so we get on really well, me and me and Danica. And I, I've watched her and her teammates go through a full journey. They were really dominant. I think they were well beaten in that in that grand final last year against a much quicker, a much more ad, agile team with, with skillful players. So I'm really excited about what the women's game can offer, the whole landscape of, of Rugby League, because we're not, we're not good enough to be exclusive. We're not good enough to say that you're not coming in. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm a real big fan of, of all the different variants of, of our game. The wheelchair stuff got some great coverage last year with with jenna and Kyle amore doing a good job in in the games that are watched on t v the 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 women's competition we 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 probably we, we, were we nearly ready for regular games to be to be shown on t v instead of just those highlights that are on a monday night um and we welcome as i said the inclusivity we like the the p d r l the l d r l um and and the women's and the women's game which which is a different type of rugby but it's still great to watch and you know the, the 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 wingers are quick the the standoffs are skillful the the kickers are you know they they're right up there as well so so I enjoy watching it and if you're asking me what we can do we can just shout and evangelize about about the the, the athletes the skill the dedication that, that the girls show we we forget sometimes that they're not getting paid. They've got the day jobs and and they do everything that they can to be as as physical as they can, as fit as they can, as educated as they can. And and we've just got to encourage every element of the game, including the Women's Super League. Thank you.
0: And obviously, we touched on at the start, Barry, uh, Kevin Simfield obviously running 101 miles in 24 hours, can you just, if our says don't know, I don't know how they won't know, but if they don't know, can you just tell us what, what Kevin's done?
1: So he started from Leicester uh, and he did it in 7k chunks and, and it should have been 7k and that would have been, you know, really nice and neat, but the different places where he was stopping, some were 7k, some were 9k, some were a little bit further. So so over 24 hours, he, he started on the hour. So whether it took him, Fifty-five minutes, as it did on one occasion, or more regularly, forty-five minutes. He would still start on that hour, um, on that hour on the on the clock—not necessarily an o'clock clock, but on the hour. Uh, and I went to see him at three in, in the morning, the nightclub section, as 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 JP and myself classed it as. Uh, and he was he was really struggling, really flat, really quiet. Didn't really talk for the first twenty minutes, so. We just flanked him, talked nonsense, told bad jokes, um, told told stories that he knew the knew, knew the, the punchlines to as well and, and just tried to drag him through. Um, and I, I just think it's remarkable, I do. I think for what he did last year, I, I had a, a small involvement with the 7-7. The I did a couple of days with him on that and I've had a, a really small involvement with him on this one. And every accolade that Kev gets, he deserves because... He's a very humble man. Again, I, I talked about honesty, and I talked about loyalty and, and integrity. He, that that just goes through his veins, and what we are, are all inspired uh, by by members of the rugby league families is the little fella Rob Burrow, and the, the you know the the journey that he's on, the the difficulties that he's going through, but the way that he just keeps smiling. Um, he can't verbally communicate, but I get regular texts, text messages of abuse off him and I get regular feedback on, on my TV work. I get regular feedback on my mistakes on my TV work and um, we all go around and see him and, 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 and try and <clears throat> spend some time. and um, I, I would say cheer him up, but he, but he doesn't really need cheering up. So two individuals that really encapsulate the spirit of our game, um, Kevin Sinfield. Robber or what they've managed to achieve between them is just unreal. We're, you know, we we struggle to get the the headlines that we deserve sometimes, and I think it's just a shame Kev's doing his bit in Rugby Union now, and, and it's just reflecting on Rugby Union as much as rugby league because he's one of ours in it, and he might be he might be making his living over on the dark side, but he's one of ours, and uh, we're all really really proud of his teammates. But I think everybody in, in the whole of the country is looking at him now as a, as a national inspiration. Um, and, and just today I did I did what I did last night. I got up and I've just gone about my normal day. And everywhere I've been, you know, they've been asking how Kev is and how Rob is. And that's what it's all about, making sure that, that people know what's going on, first of all, with MND, and then secondly, with, with Rob and what he's going through. And, and we desperately want to raise that five million quid for the Rob Burrow uh, MND Centre.
0: And, and what? how much has he raised so far?
1: It was about a million an hour last time I looked. I looked for about an hour. So. so hopefully, you know, it keeps ticking away. Sally Nugent on the BBC has done a, done a fabulous job of, of letting everybody know. So if they can get up somewhere near near two million, that, that would be outstanding because it means that the MND Association which is a big national organisation. They can have a million. Rob's research centre, uh, Rob's uh, m center can get a million and, uh, and, w- and with a bit less to chip away to, to pay for that facility.
0: Mm-hmm. And once this podcast goes out, we'll, we'll drop a link to anyone who is listening who wants to give as much as they can or whatever they can uh, to the cause. Uh, and it, what you did as well, Barry, being there uh, for him, brilliant. And obviously, Kevin's incredible throughout our game. I um, just want to touch on um, last season and looking forward to this season, really. Um, obviously, with the World Cup at the end of the year, how, how do you expect this
1: season to go? It's a short one, isn't it? And, and yeah. it'll be straight in. We, we're uh, 11th or 10th of Feb start. We finish mid-September, so it's fast and furious. But the last two years has been, has been condensed, hasn't it? You, you think about all those times where, Teams were doubling up and they were having games every every three or four days. So so it, on the one hand, then all the players will get through it, but on the other hand, you know, the priority for me is getting a getting a substantial Super League season done, dusted, a successful uh, World Cup, and, and then back uh 20 2023, you know, get getting a really clear Super League season. As I said, front runners are Saints. I think Catalan will have a good year, and I think Leeds are in for, for a top three. and And who knows, they might upset. You know, they might upset a few in those big games because those halfbacks look look, you know, really exciting, mouth watering if if you're a Rhinos fan. And um, I, I said all year last year that I thought the pack of forwards that they've got was mm. about as good as we've had for 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 a good five years since since those those big players retired in 2015 so, so that, that combination makes it look really good for the Rhinos but as we know there's always a bolter there's always a team that comes from nowhere and strings half a dozen wins together and, and makes everybody just sit forward and, and that team might be OKR like it was last year
0: Just before, just before I pass to the Kieran I know you men, didn't mention the Warrington Wolves actually in that top three there well, how do you obviously with new coach Dal Powell how, how do you see them going this season?
1: It's always their year that's what I'm going to say Um <laughs> Yeah, I think they're an are, there are no unknown quantity. Powell is an exceptional coach. He's took a couple of players there who he knows and he trusts and he's going to try and change the way that 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 Warrington will play. And, you know, he's a smart fellow, Powell, because he hasn't promised silverware. He hasn't promised that he's going to win those big games. What he said is, I, I'm going to make it so that fans want to come and watch my team play and they'll be attractive to watch. We'll score good tries and people will come here and feel like they've had value for money. Well, that's just the best pressure relief ever because he's not promised anything other than his team he's going to play. And we know that Pauli can instil that into his teams and, and he can allow them to play. So so I'm not sure about Warrington. Um, I might be eating my words halfway through and, and it might be Warrington right at the top, really setting the, setting the standard for everyone else. Yeah.
2: So with regards to, obviously, Ireland and the World Cup later this year, what are your thoughts on the, the current Ireland squad? How do you think Ireland will get on? And how do you think the World Cup will go in general?
1: World Cup should be, should be outstanding. As I say, I've got a lot of faith in the, in the people that are running it, the, the team that are running it, are, are very experienced and, and very reliable. Ireland is a difficult one because often you, you look at the World Cup teams and they're nothing like what played in the games in between those World Cups so you'll have heritage players put the name forward you'll have Aussies you'll have Kiwis and you know it could end up looking something like that that team in 2000 where there were three or four world class players and, and people like Tommy Martin Tommy Martin's for me the best player never to have played for Great Britain and uh, it was criminal how he didn't get his shot but that meant that we benefited when he played for England. Oh, sorry, when he played for Ireland against England, he was just on another level.
2: Thank you.
0: Just uh, as we come to the end of the uh, podcast, Barry, there's a section I've introduced in the podcast I call the Rugby League Sevens. And normally we have players on who are, who are current players uh, and it's a t- they've got to select the Rugby League Sevens team from players they've play- played with throughout the career. But I'm going to, with yourself, I'm going to change it up. So you, you're the manager. Who's your rugby sevens team from players currently playing in Super League?
1: So, seven a side team, so I'd need them quick. So, yeah. Yestin Harris would be my first pick. Mm-hmm. Could, could turn, turn a game on his own. Henry Paul was again one of the most skillful players uh, that I ever played with or against. I'd have to have Kevin Sinfield controlling it. Mm-hmm. Hooker, I'd probably get Terry Newton because you'd want a bit of grunt in the middle. You'd want at least one forward. Mm-hmm. So the quickest, most athletic and agile forward would have to be Big Mozer. When he, when he were in his younger days, when I played with him in his, in his Leeds career, he was, again, as quick as anybody, as fast as anybody. Um, two, I need two more doing that. So yeah. um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick a player that, that's playing now. Um, I've always been a massive fan of of Ryan All. I think Ryan All could play in any era. So when I'm there and I'm, I've got me pint of Peroni, me and me and 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 the lads from the 70s, the 80s, me and and the the new lads were were talking about who could play. I think Ryan All could play in any of them. Mm-hmm. Are you still there? Yeah. Um, yeah, and then the last one would be Rob. Robert Jeffrey Burrow. Impossible to get hold of. Always a game-breaker. And, uh, yeah, i just like to see him running them up in a seven-a-side game.
0: Mm-hmm. And a very good team uh, at that. Uh, that's all for us, Barry. We really appreciate your time coming on here. It's been a great chat talking to you. And uh, we obviously wish you all the best. A good night's sleep, firstly, and obviously up, uh next, obviously next season as well. Thank you for your time, Barry. Thanks,
1: guys. All the best. Keep up the great work. Cheers, Cheers Thank Barry.
2: You. Cheers, Barry. In- Thank you.
1: Good to chat, everyone. See you later. See ya. Bye. Bye.